Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark, the eighth chapter, verses 27 through 38. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 43 in the New Testament section. <clears throat> Last week, Jim Crookshank gave a wonderful sermon on um, James and also in Mark. And Mark, and, the, and what he talked about last week was when Jesus came in encounter with a woman who wanted her child to be healed. And it's almost as if this woman negotiated with Jesus for that child to be healed or not. And it's interesting what Jesus will negotiate with and what Jesus does not negotiate with. I invite you, as we listen to the word, Listen to hear if you believe Jesus is negotiating or not negotiating in this passage. Again, it comes from Mark chapter 8, 27 through 38. Listen to the word of our Lord. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah. And still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on not divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, If you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life on my, take, on my sake, and for the sake of the gospel, we'll save it. But what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Following the horrific 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, Congress appointed the attorney and renowned mediator Kenneth Feinberg to lead the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund. This fund was created to allocate financial resources to the victims of 9-11 tragedies, which means Feinberg and his firm were faced with this impossible task of determining the financial worth of one's life. Recently, these events were captured in the film titled Worth. It's streaming on Netflix. Michael Keaton plays Feinberg. In one scene, Feinberg is in their lobbying for this position of special master of this fund. And he's talking with the then Attorney General uh, John Ashcroft. And when John Ashcroft, in interviewing him, asked him about a case that Feinberg had worked on earlier, how long, how, I mean, how were you able to, Feinberg, how were you able to take this case 
and settle in just in days when they were tied up in court for 10 years. How did you get them to do that? Feinberg responds, people are really rational animals. If you force them to a table, most behave in what makes sense. Politics and conflicts, they sell. I have found what works best is compromise. No one walks away too happy, just happy enough to walk away. Was Peter trying to negotiate with Jesus in our passage this morning? Was that his angle? You can have them in the name Messiah. We'll give you that. But in order for you to have that name, we'll direct you on what the name means. But Peter learns rather quickly. Jesus going to the cross and giving his life for the world is non-negotiable. And if Peter was to follow Jesus, this was non-negotiable for Peter as well. It's interesting that Jesus accuses Peter of being satanic. Now, when we think of someone being satanic, we think of some kid in some basement with all black on, listening to heavy music, and has some weird fondness with bats, heads, and bloods. But the image of Satan in the Bible looks completely different than that. To be satanic means to bypass the cross. Do you remember reading before the temptation of Jesus. After Jesus was baptized, Jesus was tempted by Satan three times. First, to turn stones into food. Second, to reconcile heaven and earth. Third, to become the king of all. It's not that these were bad temptations. After all, Jesus fed the hungry, both literally and physically, and spiritually. He, he reconciled earth and heaven together. And he has a title, Christ the King. Satan was not tempting Jesus to be something that Jesus was not. Satan was tempting Jesus to bypass the journey, including the cross. It's through the cross and the resurrection that we are fed spiritually, where heaven and earth are reconciled, where Jesus is declared the King of Peace. So as Peter declares to Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah, but in the same breath tells Jesus that being the Messiah does not mean that Jesus has to go to the cross, suffer, and die. Jesus looks ahead of him and he says to him, quit being satanic. The cross? The cross I will not compromise on. I must lose my life to save the world. My life to save yours is the way it must be. This, Peter, is non-negotiable. I wonder. I wonder what ways the church today is trying to negotiate with Jesus to bypass the cross. For many, it looks similar to Peter's negotiation. Peter's imagination of Messiah in the reign of God was through military force. Everyone knows what religion is really all about. John Buchanan has asked sarcastically lately. It means believing that the truth 
with such certainty that you can define it and pin it down and, and keep out those who don't agree with it. At one time or another, it's meant being persuaded that your truth is so important that you can force people to accept it for their own good, torture them into claiming it, kill them for not believing it. And it's meant launching crusades, declaring physical war in the name of said truth, or starting a theological war against people of different faith tribes. To try and reverse this trend of declining membership in churches, a church out in Kentucky uh, took an ad in the paper and they put a big sign on front of their church that said, steak dinner and gun giveaway this Wednesday, 6 p.m. In the words of the spokesman, and I quote, they said, these evenings of steak dinner and gun giveaway was our, um, was our outreach to unchurched rednecks. As they lure these non-religious into their fold, the winners of these various guns would take a photo with the church as the backdrop. Ask about this approach. A pastor critical of this outreach um, idea suggested that it's ironic to use guns to lure men to hear the message of Jesus, who blatantly said, put away the swords, no more of this. Can you picture Jesus giving away anything? Guns, uh, toaster, raffle tickets? No, we can't picture Jesus giving away one thing. His life. For the reign of God's love. The cross for Jesus is non-negotiable. Many of us try to negotiate with Jesus, to try to hide Jesus, try to protect Jesus. In the poem, How to Hide Jesus, Steve Turner writes, There are people after Jesus. They have seen the signs. Quick, let's hide him. Let's think. Oh, carpenter, fisherman's friend, disturber to religious discomfort. Let's award him with a degree in theology, a purple casket, a, a position of respect. They'll never think of looking for him there. Let's think his dialogue may betray him. His tongue is of the masses. Let's teach him Latin and 17th century English. They'll never think of listening in. Let's think humble man, man of sorrows, nowhere to lay his head. We'll build him a house for him. Somewhere away from the poor, we'll fill it with brass and silence. It's sure to throw them off. There are people after Jesus. Quick, let's hide him. Have you ever been to the concentration camp in Dhaka? There's a photograph in the museum. It's alongside the camp. It's, about, it's with a mother and daughter. And they're being taken to the gas chamber. The girl is walking in front of the mother. She does not know where she is going. The mother is walking behind. She knows exactly what is ahead waiting for them and can do nothing to prevent it. So in this last act of love by this mother, she takes her hand and she puts it in front of the eyes of her daughter. But she cannot see what awaits them. It's a resting image. It's a, it's a moving image. It's an image of love in the midst of helplessness. 
But the cross that Jesus talks about is different. The cross has to be different. Your cross, my cross, the, the cross that Jesus suffered on, has to be more than a resting and moving image that we just hide behind. It has to be something more than God suffering with us and us suffering with others. The cross that we bear is not only about following God who walks with us and suffers with us. The cross is also about a God who changes us. They live a life of growth and change. Jesus will not hide from that. That is non-negotiable. For many of us, we try to negotiate the, the mystery of God. And David Lowe has written, the biggest temptation of the church today is to simplify who God is and how God works. Allen Williams Jr. was a passenger aboard an Air Florida Flight 90 in January 13, 1982, which after takeoff crashed into the Washington's 14th Street Bridge and then plummeted into the icy Potomac, Potomac River. Fighting a lifelong fear of water, clinging to twisted wreckage, Williams handed over the, the five other survivals one life vest after another. When all but Williams was pulled ashore alive, the helicopter returned back to the place of the crash to get Williams. He was gone. And most of us hear this story. And we think, what a wonderful story. And, and, and we think that if in a similar situation, we hope to be, do the same thing, but chances are we won't be in that situation. We pray that we will not be in that situation. But this is not Jesus' point. Sure, it's always heroic, and I would say most often a Christian act to lose one's physical life for another. But as, as, as one commentator has said, Jesus never says in the Gospels, this is it's my responsibility to die for you while you appall my heroism. Instead, the Son of Man is ordained by God to suffer, die, and be raised, and so are his followers. And as heroic as it is, to lose one's life in our passage, though, to lose one's life in our passage gives us a different perspective than risking our literal life for another person. The literal translation is, for life is one's, most in, one's inmost self. To lose one's life is to move from ourselves being the center of our lives and make God the center. For those who want to save their inmost self must lose it. And those who lose their inmost self for my sake will save it. Earlier this morning we had a joint Sunday school class. For our Sunday school kickoff, and during this time, we learned that the children's theme over the next couple of months is let our light shine. Over these months, the children and the youth will explore ways that God's light is shining through them. And as they peel back these layers, I imagine letting our light shine does not look too much different 
than picking up one's cross and following Jesus. But notice what Jesus doesn't tell Peter. He doesn't tell Peter, here, get in this single line behind me. He invites Peter to join all the other disciples, where Jesus is the head of the line. This is why Bible study is so important. For all angels is a vital part and is non-negotiable for the church. Jesus calls us to follow him in community. And if all we do is study the Bible alone, then the cross that we bear, the light of God that we proclaim, begins to look a lot like the God that we imagine all by ourselves. And when we do that, God becomes rather simple. We turn God into a prosperity God. A God of achievement. A God of charity. We turn God into a God of, of, of wants. A God of politics. A God of guns. A God of Sunday morning. And without even realizing it, we bypass the cross. But we study together in community with Jesus as the lead of the line, the center of the conversation, we begin to live into the mystery of God and the cross we are called to bear. To follow Jesus in community, Jesus says, is non-negotiable. In March of 1990, England played Scotland in Edinburgh for the European Rugby Championship. It's a most remarkable event happened that day before the match even started. The England players entered in a largely hostile way, but the Scots captain, maybe being Scottish like you Presbyterians, us Presbyterians, the Scots captain, David Soule, did something different. He led his team out of a stately walking pace, a pace that, that said there's nothing that you can throw at us that we can't deal with. It's a pace that said, we're going to walk right in towards you, and we will not be overcome. Sam Wells, reflecting on this, said that we've got to get into David Soul's mind for a moment. This is the defining moment in his life. What happens today will be my identity, my legacy, my single truth. And I'm walking slowly towards it. I'm entering the eye of the storm. I am walking towards the cross. Perhaps we are Peter in this pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry. Everything that seemed to be going so well, they healed so many. The crowds were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then Jesus says, we have to pivot and walk towards the cross. It's a pivotal time in our history. It seems as if Jesus is walking towards the cross right now. Everything that we thought that we knew about Christianity seems to be dying right in front of our faces. And we would do anything for this death to not happen. Anything for Jesus just to bypass that cross.
So we, so we try to protect Jesus. We try hiding Jesus. We try sympathizing Jesus. We get in Jesus' face and we begin to rebuke him. We tell him that his life is a lot worth more than that cross. But don't you worry, Jesus. Don't you worry. We'll save you. Get behind us. We'll protect you. Oh, 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 Jesus says to us. It's not my wife that needs saving. It's yours. And your worth, your life, is non-negotiable.